win to make the NCAA tournament. Sexton got it! He got it! He got it! Roll tied! They did it! Sims gonna go deep on Cooper. Cooper's got it! Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Not So Experts. My name is Avery Nelson, joined by my good friend and co-host Taylor Mooney. And this week, it is just the two of us. We return return to the podcast, triumphant as ever, uh, victorious Taylor, and not with popcorn because that would make for terrible podcasting. That's bad podcasting etiquette. But uh, I did think about popping myself a bag uh, before I sat down to record this. Apparently it's bad for football games too. It's like not something they should even sell at football games. Like I look, Lane Kiffin really stepped in it with that quote, but I thought it was pretty funny to be honest with you. And we literally, we were at the game, right? And we were like, why the hell is, is big Al in a popcorn? thing?" (laughs) Like we had no idea because we hadn't seen the interview. And so we were like, what kind of stupid ass joke is this? You know, like it's not funny, you know? And that was literally one for the people at home. Yeah, no, it was, it was hilarious. Like when I got home, I was like, Oh God, Lane said that. And, but literally when we were at the game, we were like, why is this idiot dressed up in popcorn? Like (laughs) it was good. It was awesome. His explanation was, was, his explanation of the quote was pretty funny too. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I know you said you wanted to go off on Kiffin to start the pod, but I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I'm not going to lie to you. First of all, and I look, maybe cause I know these pre, uh, pregame interviews are pre-recorded, right? So I get a lot of times I should say not, I don't think every time, but most times, um, and so- Lane said that he thought the officials were like calling for like something like he i was like that's bullshit lane no do you got those headphones on unless an official is tapping you on the shoulder no 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 no. that's not how this works that's what i thought too because like when we're playing call of duty and i have my headphones on i'm like zoned in you know and he was like i didn't know that was the last question i don't know like it was a pretty funny explanation but i i kind of called bs on it too no i think he looked i mean first of all especially how it was it, it was just that question which was shown on TV um if there were some before i can't be sure i haven't seen if Jamie Erdahl's tweeted anything but it was just generally first of all rude i don't want to be that guy but it was kind of shitty to just cut off an interview like that also i didn't think it was a very good walk off like if you're going to do something sick like there was like a do- drop the mic moment it wasn't that cool he throws the mic or the headset at the camera, like, what did the cameraman do? All right, look out. <laughs> and, like, again, it wasn't even, like, a great one-liner. It was grab your popcorn. Like, are you – that's it? That's the one? That's the that's the hill you're going to die on. That. <laughs> are you kidding me? Mike Kiffin is a smart, witty dude. I know he is. He's got some one-liners in him, and that's the one he picked for this moment, the biggest moment he could possibly come up with on television and he goes get your popcorn ready it's lame dude it's overplayed it's weak 
He told uh he told the uh, OC Levy like I guess we didn't plug in the microwave. <laughs> that was funny. I'll give him that. That's he, very funny. He pretty much just said like, "Whoops, I stepped in it." Like whatever, he did. you know. Like and I mean, it was funny, but that always looks bad when it comes back and bites you. Oh my god! Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. It was a crazy. I mean, I think the game didn't go like most people thought it was gonna go. No, and... well, I will say I feel like I had some, and I haven't listened back to the pod, so I can't say this for sure. But I feel like I had some pretty uh, on point uh, pr- feelings about the game. I did, I don't think I ever said like this is how it's going to go, but I had some feelings about how our offensive and defensive lines would control would be able to uh, dominate what I saw as a less talented unit on the opposite side of the ball from them. I think that ended up being the case. Um, I thought that if we were to win the game, we were going to have to control the uh, line of scrimmage and then therefore control the uh, time of possession. I think that hap- that ended up coming to fruition. And I also thought that this Ole Miss team doesn't have the same weapons that it did last year. And also with it not being with it being at home, I felt pretty confident that we weren't going to hit that eighty total. I thought the eighty over under. Was I think that was absurd. Absolutely batshit crazy. That's bananas. So no, I thought I, that I one was too. way over. And again, like you said, that's that is a reflection of how people are feeling the game is gonna go. But um I thought that was way like past where we'd go. I didn't think they were gonna score nearly as much. So um of course this is all in hindsight. I can say these things and be right, but I, I feel like I felt that it was either gonna go that way or we were gonna lose. Um that was pretty. That was pretty much my feelings, and I am ecstatic with how the game went overall. Yeah, I mean, hard not to be. I mean, I was really pissed at the end of the game, like when Alabama, you know, or, or when when the officials like that shitty call at the end of the game that gave two shitty them, calls. Let's be very clear: they missed a hold okay. on the play before, yeah. and then the yeah. pass interference, which was awful. Right, and it like I literally I was like a combination of Shaq and Randy Moss would not have caught that pass. It's pretty bad. Like, I, like I was so mad. I didn't understand how you could call that, and that gives them another seven. But then I, you know, I was really mad when it happened. But then I, I sat there and I was like, if I was told before the game, if if Ole Miss scores, Ole Miss is going to score twenty one. Are you cool with that? I would have taken that a hundred times out of a hundred, right? right? I mean. So, you know, while it is super annoying that the score doesn't actually reflect, you know, how the game went, because, yeah, it was a 21-point game, but it was 42-7 to going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, I was about to say, now, what if I told you those 20, of those 21 points, 14 came in, in garbage time, basically, you know? Right, right. Like, that's the annoying part, but, I mean – Pretty much everybody around the country is like, whoa, the Alabama defense, as they should be, because, I mean, the defense, I mean, they, they you know, outperformed pretty much everybody's expectations, I think. I mean, Matt Corral only threw eight incompletions, but he only had 213 yards passing, and they had 78 yards rushing. I mean, they had less than 300 yards of total offense, like, that is outstanding by any measure. I mean, it, it was it was totally crazy. They had less than a hundred total yards in the first half. I mean, 
wow, you know, I mean, Will Anderson was everywhere. Like, Drew Sanders played really well. Henry T played really well. And one thing that I thought was interesting, like, Alabama pretty much knew from the jump, it seemed like, that they were going to go for it pretty much every fourth down they could. That was, yeah, I'll get, I'll, yeah, that was wild to me. I do, I did, uh, I feel like I kind of jumped into the deep end on the, the kind of macro um, look at the game. But let's just, I, I do want to start quickly with that first drive, right? And I don't, I don't know how the feeling was in the stadium. I was incredibly nervous. They kind of drove it down relatively uh, convincingly. A short, short. <laughs> Slants got the ball moving. Explosive plays, though, which was semi encouraging, right? Right, I mean, absolutely. Um, but they get they get their first 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 fourth down com, uh, conversion. I believe they converted two, um, and then a fourth and one from inside the red zone. I mean, it may have been a half a yard on second look, Taylor. Yeah. Crazy short distance. And uh, really, really incredible play by the defense. I forget who made the tackle. I think LeBron Ray. I could be wrong on that. Um, and I, pro- I think I am, but I can't remember. Tim Smith. Tim, Tim Smith. Smith. That's right. Uh, incredible play yeah. to get off his yeah. block uh, and, and make that tackle and hold the guy up so he doesn't fall forward. Because, again, he just needed a few feet. Just an incredible stop. And once we got that, I felt pretty good. Now, once Lane went for fourth down on his side of the 50 and missed, I, I, it was game over for me. I knew, I knew their defense was not going to be able and – and Lane knew. It was very obvious that Lane put his cards on the table and said, we can't stop them. We're all in. First, literally first quarter, like third hand. He's like sit down at a poker table, third hand. He's like, yeah, I'm all in. I, I can't beat you guys heads up. Um, and he just, he, he shoved his chips to the center of the table. It didn't work on another day. If they convert that fourth down and score, who knows? I I would think that it doesn't really mean that they end up winning that game. I don't see a way they win that game just because the lack of weapons on the outside and the lack of an ability to run the ball kind of hamstrung their entire offense. Um, but overall that felt, uh, yeah, just an insane stop from the defense. And overall, like you said, Shout out to the defense and shout out to Pete Golding, which I know a lot of people want to give him flack, myself included, but he a hundred percent got this perfectly right. And I'm again, don't think this is the same Ole Miss offense as it was last year. It's a different setup or not different setup, but different set of players and less weapons. But nonetheless, with a guy like Len Kiffin, um, I mean, they were averaging over 600 yards a game and they were leading the country in scoring. This was the first time in Lane Kiffin's tenure at Ole Miss they had gone they uh, gained less than three hundred yards on offense, I believe. Yeah, it was it, it. Yeah, and I think the the lowest that he had had previously was like four hundred and like forty. Yeah, it was significantly uh, lower than his previous all time low. So I mean, overall, like the defense and, and the defensive coaching staff got everything right, and it was really encouraging, especially after that Florida game. Um, and uh, uh, it was kind of uh, felt like, well, this is the last test, really, until I, I, I would like to say until we go to uh, Auburn for the Iron Bowl. Um, and it felt good to kind of pass that, pass that test, exceeding even my wildest expectations, honestly. Yeah, 
I mean, and, and like Bryce did not like set the woods on fire like stat wise, but I mean he didn't. I mean he had he had one bad throw pretty much the whole game, right? Yep. Like, and I mean Brian Robinson, we talked about it. Um, you know, after the Florida game, like he had a great game against Florida. He went off. You know, I mean, he and and a lot of people diss him because he's not going to break off like a 60 yard run. Like, that's fine. It really sucks to have to tackle a dude who's getting five yards of carry 35 times. Like, that really sucks as a defense. And that played into exactly what Alabama wanted to do against Ole Miss. I mean, they pretty much executed the game plan exactly how they wanted to do it. And they pretty much took away all the big plays, you know, from Ole Miss. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a sight to behold, really. I mean, you know, you can, if you want to bitch a little bit, you can talk about, you know, maybe like, you know, finishing on tackles and things like that. But the dudes that got, that get bashed the most really on the defense, um, I mean, Helms, you know, Henry T and Jordan Battle, they all had really good games. I mean, I thought, you know, Helms tackled really well. I mean, I, I thought, like, you know, Battle had a big breakup on a fourth down play. Like, I mean, the whole defense, I mean, they looked like a unit. They were on the same page, and they looked really good. Yeah, uh, Jordan Battle and DeMarco Helms combined for 20 tackles on the day. Uh, they, DeMarco Helms was getting downfield and downhill quick to stop the run. He was, he was a major part of the defense's efforts to stop the run in a uh, very integral part. He did so well in that role. Well, he looked like the DeMarco Helms that we saw last year when he flashed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because yeah. that's what everybody thought he was going to be going into this year. Everybody was like, Helms, Helms, Helms. And then Florida happens, and everybody kind of dumps on him. But I thought he had a really good game. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, it was fantastic. And also... The offensive line, like, that's another, like, obviously, like, Ole Miss wasn't going to dominate our guys up front in terms of, like, they just didn't have the elite talent and they're running, like, a three-man front, which kind of invites Alabama to run the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, But they absolutely did, you know? Like, Ole Miss took away, like, you know, big plays and huge chunk plays and said, you have to go down the field on us, and Alabama did it. Like, they answered the call and... I don't know. It was really impressive. I, I think, I mean, you look at like time of possession is not usually a huge stat like nowadays in college football, but I mean, Ole Miss had the ball for like 22 minutes the whole game, right? I mean, I, I think that's very substantial. And, and also one thing that I think I pointed out before the game uh, with penalties and things like that, there weren't that many penalties. So, I mean, no, yeah. Ole Miss, however, well, you, you did to point out Ole Miss's trouble with penalties, and they had a serious problem with it, especially early on. That got them right. behind the chains yeah. in those first drives that really, really killed their momentum a, a couple times. Right. right. And, but, but the main thing to me was, like, when you're playing these up-tempo offenses, they operate in a rhythm, and Alabama never really let them get in a rhythm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was like lane gambling and it not working. But after the first drive, it felt like it took a little bit of the wind out of their sails. And, you know, maybe Lane was a little bit too over-aggressive. Like maybe he gave us too much credit in a sense. 
And, I mean, at some point, I think you probably have to kick a couple field goals. I didn't hate it on the first drive because they were moving the ball. Um, and, and if they do score a touchdown there, maybe the game is different, right? But, I mean, there's a stop, and then he does it again and again and again. I mean, it, it was kind of excessive. And he cited analytics at the end, which I thought was kind of interesting. He said, I believe this quote was, you live by analytics, die by analytics at halftime. Which I thought was odd, but, I mean, a couple of the things he did in the game were odd, but, I mean, I think you could tell he knew he was outmanned, and I think he also coached like he was outmanned at times. And I think both of those kind of contributed to their problems, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I think it's it's more about what Alabama did than you know what Ole Miss didn't do. I mean, there's an obvious talent deficiency, and I mean Alabama's defense. I mean, I can't say it enough. Like, finally did what everybody thought they were capable of at the beginning of the season, right? I mean, Will Anderson had seven tackles and two and a half for loss and a sack at halftime. You yeah, know, like. Everywhere in the first half, Fedarian Mathis was a beast. Amazing like, game, yeah. uh, so I mean, everybody stepped up. Henry T had that really good tackle on that fourth down. Like, had ten tackles, had ten tackles, one for loss, and a quarterback hurry. He he was also everywhere and made a huge tackle on a fourth down stop as well uh, in yeah, the open. I mean, and when I saw him in the open, I was like, I don't know about this guys, and he did a damn good job. Uh, so props to him. Absolutely props to him for stepping up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was it was totally dominant. I mean, it, it, it was, and there was never a doubt in the game. And um, I, I don't know, I, I could not have been more impressed um, with the team. And, I mean, looking forward, I think it's, I mean, this was one of the losable games that we talked about, right? And moving forward, especially given what A&M did this weekend, it just kind of kind of lets you – hopefully the team doesn't let their guard down, but it, as fans you can kind of breathe and be like, all right, well, this is what we thought it was. Yeah, and we have it, – it's one of those things where we have A&M outgunned uh, talent-wise, in my opinion, especially with uh, Haynes King out injured. Um, but I think – I do want to kind of look back quickly, and in hindsight, I wonder a little bit, did we give Ole Miss too much credit? Because I honestly think, especially with the – and I know this. I, I, some people may disagree, but like – or maybe not, actually. This may not even be a hot take. But looking back, you look at the teams they beat on their way to 3-0 and into Tuscaloosa, and, you know, it's Tulane – it's a, another school I can't even it's, – it's a weak schedule where they just put – Huh? Austin P in Louisville. Austin P in Louisville. They played nobody, right? And Louisville – I mean, it's ACC. No. Nobody. So they've played nobody. You, you, again, look at the fact that their defense is improved from last season, but that's such a low bar. That's like me saying, uh, I don't know, can I improve – my like like marathon half marathon time after i ran one hungover like i'm pretty sure (laughs) if i run that half marathon another one not hungover i'll probably improve it does that mean i'm a good half marathon runner no 
Absolutely not. It means I ran one hungover and set myself a low bar, right? So that's where their defense is, in my opinion. They're still not nearly as talented to keep up with any elite teams. And then their offense, again, lost uh, Elijah Moore and uh, Kenny Yaboa. They do have some solid running backs and an, an elite quarterback, in my opinion, but they don't have an offensive line to support him. And all you have to do, all Alabama did was rush the minimum amount, drop seven or six, because they eight. eight sometimes and get after, and they would just get after Matt Corral with those, with those, you know, three or four guys, whatever they brought. And the times he was most successful was against the blitz, right? He was picking out those holes that were missing, but if they weren't there, his offensive line couldn't give him, give him enough time. So just looking back, I want to, I want to maybe the, I think we put too much on this game as Ole Miss being a real threat. And in hindsight, I'm not sure they were what we thought they were is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that's important because we kind of, I guess a lot of people looked at last year's game and they were like, look what happened. Yeah. They look really damn good this year. Why can't they do it again? And, I mean, while that's legitimate, I mean, I think, like, the speculation, it's like, every time we go into a game, like, I've kind of started trying to figure out, like, what are, like, all the possibilities, like, what is this team's path to victory? Like, how many different ways can they actually win the game? And, really, I felt like Ole Miss only had, like, one different, one way that they could win the game. And that was if it gets in a shootout and Alabama makes some mistakes on offense. And the game never got in a shootout. And Alabama made one mistake when the game was already out of hand. Yep. On exactly. offense. And Alabama can win, you know, like, let's, let's go back and look. Like, Alabama could win in a shootout. Alabama could force turnovers. Alabama could, you know stifle their receivers, and get to Matt Corral via the pass rush like they did, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there there were multiple ways that Alabama could win the game and just really not that much for Ole Miss on the table, and I think that's why Lane Kiffin coached the way he did, Yeah, right? Makes sense. And, I mean, I'm not not out here, like, defending Lane Kiffin, but I'm saying, like, if, if you're thinking about it like that, like, they don't really have a huge chance like you you have to steal possessions you have to like have shit kind of go your way you know some of that's created and some of that's what the other team does Alabama didn't make any mistakes and they made a couple and that's why they got their ass kicked right well, well what I'm saying is I think this year compared to last year they needed more to go their way especially when you consider yeah. being away yeah. from they're away from home consider that's uh, that was a huge thing too the environment was great Mm, they looked it looked incredible um also when you consider the fact that Alabama's defense is a step up from last year uh, or at least last year at the time we played Ole Miss I should say and that that difference compared to the difference Ole Miss's defense took is more significant because you're talking about a, a team going from a good but questionable at times defense to like an elite like level or you know, uh, at near that stratosphere, I'm not quite sure. Alabama was the top 25 defense last year, and they got better. Ole right. Miss's was like literally the worst defense in the country, or like 
top five worst in the country, and now they're up to like 70th. Right. I think what I'm trying to say here, Taylor, <laughs> to Lane I, Kiffin and all the Ole Miss fans, is there's levels to this shit. There right. is, dude. And and the thing is, like, they they got just thoroughly dominated up front. I mean, like And that's the, the beauty. It's so often comes down to one thing. Who wins in the trenches? And I, I know that's like super minimalist and like boiling it down is very simplistic but a lot of times that's really what matters and in this game that's what mattered that was you can't win the game if you lose in the trenches on both sides of the ball you're going to lose yeah and i mean it's like that at every level too right like the patriots uh bucks game like the patriots could not block the bucks defensive line for shit right Mm -hmm. and i mean that was that's a totally different you know story for a different day but i mean if you can't if you don't have time to you know throw the ball and you can't you know open lanes to run it you're gonna have a long ass day and and you're gonna have to kind of just hope against hope right like (laughs) yeah i do quickly you mentioned brian robinson i want to shout him out for having a career day that is well deserved for a guy who's been working his tail off his entire career to be in this position um a guy Tuscaloosa guy, Hillcrest's finest, uh, you know, really great day for him. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm super happy for him as a guy who called for him to be the guy coming into the season. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, we do lose, it seems, Jace McClellan for the season. Um, yeah. I didn't see – I never saw him go down or off injured. Apparently he came out, I think, after halftime on crutches, and, and now it's a knee injury. He has surgery tomorrow after yeah, recording this he, Monday. Nick Saban, he has a knee, which, I mean, me too, man. What the hell is injury? <laughs> I have two knees, Nick Saban. Like, what is the injury? But it, alas. It feels, yeah, it feels uh, pretty safe to assume uh, it's a ligament. ACL or something. Yeah, it's, a lig- yeah. it's some ligament damage. He's having an actual surgery to get it taken care of. So um, it's really sad considering how good he had looked this season. He was easily the number two. Um, and I, yeah, I think it, what I want to ask you real quick is watching the game, Brian Robinson played all four quarters basically the entire game. We didn't bring in subs. Uh, yeah. Trey Sanders didn't get a look at the field ever, if I can recall correctly, unless I missed a play. But if he did, it was like a single carry. Um, mm-hmm. Where where do you see the Alabama running back room going from here? Because, yeah, he, he didn't. Roydale got a few carries late on, but Brian got 36. Do you see us beating Brian Robinson, like Mark Ingram level or numbers of carries uh, game in, game out for the rest of the season? So, I mean – He's the type of dude that I think benefits from 20-plus carries a game, right? Like, he's Mm -hmm. big as hell. He's physical. Like, he's not super fun to tackle repeatedly, right? Because he, you know, he gashes you. I mean, five yards of carry all the way down the field is super debilitating. Like, if you could tell me I can either have one play for 80 yards or – 13 plays for 80 yards like give me the give me the bomb every day of the week right well brian robinson's the type of dude i mean he's not great in the passing game but he's definitely a dude unfair actually considering some of the moves he made in that florida game i mean he played his ass off in the florida game and i'm not hating on brian robinson i'm just saying like i'd rather have roy dell oh yeah yeah yeah. 
Like the first guy that I thought of when Saban was like, maybe we cross train a guy just for a backup position because now Alabama's essentially down to three. Mm-hmm. In the running back room, my initial thought was JoJo Earl because he's super quick, he's super athletic. Like I don't know about you know blocking guys in the backfield because I think that's actually his issue right now when it comes to like not getting slayed spot at receiver. But I mean, it's super attractive the idea of getting him you know matched up with linebackers. And he did play some running back in high school. Like, they lined him up at running back. So I think he's a guy that, you know, if they're going to cross-train somebody, you know, if I had to guess right off the bat, I would I would throw him in there. Trey Sanders, I think it's more of he's not super healthy. Like, I, I think, That does make sense, yeah. I think maybe, like, either Saban is, like, you know, maybe reluctant to put him out there because of his injury or, like, how he's responded or whatever. Because I know that we've we've said like he doesn't totally look a hundred percent like he doesn't have a huge burst like he had previously, mm-hmm. and I think that could be some of it. You know, um, I I would like to see Trey Sanders get more carries, but I also I mean if he's hurt then he's hurt, right? I mean, and there's a difference between playing you know hurt and playing injured. Like we don't have to get into that, right. but. He's coming off of a severe injury, and if you're not recovering super well from that, like you, you don't like really. You should. You obviously shouldn't push that, right? Like it's definitely something that can get worse. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's something to monitor for sure. But I I really like Roy Dell as well. I mean, he gives me Alvin Kamara vibes. I think I've said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like him. He's he runs really hard. He's wiry. He's athletic. Um, and he catches the ball really well out of the backfield, and he's enough of a contrast from B-Rob that I think, you know, Alabama can still be really effective. Yep, 100% agree. Uh, I was hoping, and I, I hope that we, I, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I, I know there's something off the top of my head. I, I just can't, I can't dig it up. But I'm hoping that uh, Trey Sanders can kind of take this time. If, if, we're, if we're sitting him now, and he can take this time to get closer to 100% and then come on late in the season. I mean, obviously, that would be a great option. And then, like you said, maybe have a JoJo Earl type guy come in as the third option, which would create or, havoc. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe Kamar Wheaton eventually gets cleared. Like Saban right. also said Kamar Wheaton hadn't been cleared yet and he had a meniscus issue. So, I mean, like that can take between like one and like three months like it's kind of a weird time frame right like you know so it it just kind of depends on like how long it takes him to you know get back from that and obviously like if he's not practicing like at this point probably november is an early time frame for him right so i mean it's definitely something that's concerning but i don't think it's season altering if that makes sense and that's no. no disrespect to jace but I think Roy Dell can be good enough as long as as long as we don't have any further injuries. I think Alabama can get by with what they have. Yeah, I think I, I think it's not an knock to Jace. It's more of a testament to the depth in that running room, running back room, where you can have uh, an injury to a guy like Jace and also feel confident that you still have a guy that you're comfortable carrying the ball thirty some odd times a game. 
and by the way, 36 carries and averaging 4.8 I think eight yards per carry is un. Derrick Henry type numbers. That's like, absolutely saying, absurd. Like B Rob is not Derrick Henry. I mean, but that is a Derrick Henry type game. Yeah, like absolutely. We're gonna give nice. you the ball a shit ton of times. Like get us some yards. You know. He did it. He did it. And I'd props to him. Um, let's go ahead and uh, look quickly over quite a crazy week of college football. A lot going on, and I know you were at the game, so you saw some of it. Um, but I was flipping around between games, especially during the Alabama game, because there's a pretty good slate. But a few big names in the SEC go down to unexpected opponents. Of first of all. I did you catch the end of the Kentucky Florida game? It was pretty wonky, man. I so and also like Dan Mullen at the end of that game was also just like really bizarre. I mean, to me, like As the always. the whole like last I guess I guess the last I don't know probably five minutes of regulation and then the post game press conference was just bizarre to me. Yeah, so he he refuses to take timeouts at the end of the half, goes into the half um, with his timeouts. Uh, you can't take those home, uh, but he decided he'd at least put them in the locker room for later. Uh, then they come out of the half. Kentucky scored seven of their 20 points on a blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown, uh, which a 76-yard uh, return. Gives them the lead. They then score early in the first qu- fourth quarter uh, to go up twenty to ten. Uh, and Florida didn't score a touchdown after like the halfway mark through the first quarter. So it was domination defensively by Kentucky. Strangulation, even they only had two hundred twenty-four yards of offense in twenty-three minutes with the ball. But that's all they needed. They go ahead and win the game 20-13. to Florida has some chances at the end of the game. And, I mean, the end-of-game scenario is absurd. The play calling was Brian Harson-esque. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, fourth and goal, I don't even know really what they were trying to do. But, anyway, point being, Kentucky win. Uh... I'm watching post-game. Mark Stoops is on the field getting interviewed. There's a man in a banana costume behind him. And I'm chuckling to myself. I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is great. They start playing Walk a Flock of Flame. It's a party. Or what? I don't even know what the song's called. He rocked the team out. I know. I didn't know. Well, I didn't know that. And so I'm listening to that. I'm like, this is awesome. That song's playing. There's a man in a banana costume behind Mark Stoops. Everybody's having fun. And then they cut to a shot of the crowd and it's walk a flock of flame jumping around with the fans. Like he's just in the crowd. He's on the field. He looks like a defensive end. He does. Well, he looks like a dude that's in street clothes, but was like, nah, I'm gonna wear my Jersey. Like he, he literally does look like he was, he was like, he had his Jersey, but the sweatpants, like the, uh, I think yeah, uh, he literally looked like a, an injured player on yeah, the sideline. I think Jalen Waddle did that a lot last season, where he had his sweats on. But his yeah, like if you didn't know, if you didn't know that was Walker, you'd be like, "This huge, he's like he's a big dude ass now, dude." Man. Like he's big as hell, and it's like 
if you didn't know that was Waka, you'd be like, ah, oh, some dude is just like, I guess, dressed in the stands. I don't yeah, know. I was like, <laughs> I was like sitting there. I was like, and I texted the, I texted you guys, and I was like, did anybody else just see Waka Flocka Flame in the crowd? Because I didn't realize there's a story with his song being like the anthem for the Kentucky football team now. And uh, we finally, Justin sent me confirmation it was indeed Waka in the crowd. And that, first of all, that dude just loves college campuses. That dude's on, he just used to bike around Tuscaloosa when he'd have a show at a frat house. He'd just like bike around and hang out with people in their yards. Like, yeah. Yeah. When the campus stories were a thing, like, you know, on Snapchat. Yeah. And Waka was in town. It would just be Waka hanging out with everybody. Like, all the students and random ass people too. Like he, this man would just go to people's houses on the strip. Like he eats the college shit up. So like, I can imagine when Mark Stoops called him up and was like, "Do you want to come to the game?" He was like, "Oh my god!" Like I can't think of anything better. You know what I'm saying? Like this man was gassed to go and to the to Kentucky get that game. moment to celebrate with cool. the fans. That was yeah. cool. No, and and Kentucky's defense had not been really that good all year, really. I mean, they like usually they're good, but they hadn't been that great this this year. And for them to come up big like that, I mean, it really kind of changes the outlook of their season. Like now they're five and zero, you know, going to and, LSU as as favorites, or I'm not as playing LSU at home as favorites. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I I would I. I plan on, and we'll get to this in a second, but I think they'll beat LSU, man. I mean, let me let me, let me read bad. off this stat line real quick. Will Levis threw bad. 17 passes, completed seven, 87 bad. yards, one touchdown, one interception. Bad. Four Very of bad. those completed receptions were to Wandale Robinson. Bad. He uh, was bad. He was so bad. But, I mean – what does that say about Florida, man? Like, Dan Mullen was like, I didn't get outcoached. And Kentucky's quarterback completed seven damn passes, and you weren't outcoached. Like, he was like, we outgained them yardage-wise. And I was like, yeah, so how do you lose the game, dude? Yeah, this makes it worse. Like, did your team give up on you? Did you not have a game plan? Are you super undisciplined? Because yes. Yeah, like, also I- that there's a major, I, th- I think, a major penalty late in the game. They um, seem to always have some dumbass penalties or, like, the shoe-throwing incident, the infamous shoe-throwing incident. Like, they always have something really stupid that, like, normal people would not do if they were playing a football game. They always seem to have something like that. I think they've lost six straight to Power 5 opponents since as of that shoe-throwing incident. Insane. I, so like, I think it's they, well, five like, or six straight. I mean, so they had like, I mean, I don't know. They um, they had never lost a game to Kentucky for like thirty eight years or something. Now Dan Mullins lost two. Yeah, it's that's pretty rough, man. That is uh that's something special from Dan Mullen, honestly. Yeah, special he's in, in a he, bad way. He's lost five of his his last six against Power Five opponents, dating back to the LSU shoe toss. Um, Not good. Yeah, that's that's incredible, man. Just uh, uh, for everything he did to up his stock after the Alabama game. Um, Gone. I I tell you what, all goes back 
to him taking that moral victory after the Bama game. Uh, never take a moral victory, folks. <laughs> Lesson he's number the one. Type of dude, he's the type of dude that thinks like fans do in a sense. We're like, he's like, ah, like we can skip this game. You know, we're going to Can't win. have it. Can't you have can't it. You can't do man. that shit as a coach, bro. Like you can't. Also, like, by the way, does Mark Stoops no- get his statue now? Or or late? Do they do they wait another another? They, few months? that man deserves a statue at Kentucky. Like I he's mean, got he's got to beating Florida twice. Give him the statue. Don't don't even ask any more questions. He's beaten Florida like in the swamp and in Lexington. Like get out of here. Mark Stuprul. I genuinely Kentucky's like my second favorite SEC team. I think I I absolutely love their shithousery. and soccer. This is called football, shit housing, and I love it. In football, like, why not, man? Yeah, okay. So, anyways, uh, Dan Mullen's a clown, and Mark Stoops is a legend, is the uh, spark notes for that game. Uh, another pretty big clownish display of head coaching. Uh, Coach O is in extremely hot water now. It's got to be said. It I, is he loses, hot. He loses to Auburn. At Death Valley for the first time since 1999, um, when I think Britney Spears' is Toxic was on the radio waves. Maybe that was a little bit late. That may have been a little bit later. But, I, mean, I mean, dude, we were five, and we're, we're almost 30. <laughs> easy Nicks, with that shit. Watch where you point that thing. Bo Nix, I mean, literally, I don't know. Bo Nix literally had not um, been born, so... Dude, I, let's just, first of all, and I, I don't like Auburn. I don't think that's a secret. Watching Bo Nix against LSU was, was comedy slash art of the highest order on both counts. Um, just he, didn't, he didn't actually play well, right? I mean... It was a Jackson Pollock of football uh, quarterbacking is what I describe it as. He would just run around. There was a touchdown, I think, in the, the second quarter. I could be wrong on this. But everybody, if you watch the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He gets flushed out of the pocket, runs to the right sideline, dips a guy, runs to the left sideline, dips another guy, tur- does like a spin, and then finds this tight end streaking to the end zone for like a 35-yarder. Like, the play Annoying. took 20 seconds. Like, Annoying. it took forever. It was hilarious. I mean, again, I'm not rooting for either of these teams. When they both lost that one time, that was the best game I think I'll ever watch. But, like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, and, and they, he did it multiple times. Like, LSU couldn't tackle. They got killed by penalties. Uh, they, the, Max Ed O is getting absolutely atrocious. demolished. Yeah. I mean, Ed O is getting demolished. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was bad, man. And they didn't run the – they ran the ball 26 times. 11 of those are Max Johnson carries, which uh, some of those are sacks. They had three sacks. So, um, and the closest to that is is five carries from a couple other running backs. They didn't run the ball at all. They abandoned the run immediately. Uh, and it's not even like Auburn ran the ball well either. No, but LSU literally kicked field goals, like, inside the – I mean – LSU literally kicked a 33-yard field goal, a 31-yard field goal, a 26-yard field goal, and a 22-yard field goal. Like, they kicked the ball at the 5. They kicked the ball at the 8. 
and they kicked the ball inside the 20 two other times. Like, they literally could not run the ball, and they couldn't, like, you know, finish drives. I mean, that's literally all it comes down to. And then, I mean, in the second half, I mean, uh, the second half drives, like, field goal, field goal, punt, 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 interception. Like, it, it, it just insane. Like, offensively on the, on the O-line, they're terrible. And defensively, they just don't seem to give any effort. I mean, it's, it's a tad better than last year, but, but is it? I mean, they, they just don't, I don't know. I mean, they just don't seem to, like, give the effort that you need. Like, and that seems like a lazy-ass excuse, but they just don't seem to really be, like, super motivated to tackle anybody. Yeah, everything LSU did in that game was – and, again, they were up 19 to 10. They were up nine going into the fourth quarter and blew it. They were up nine with five minutes to go, like about six minutes to go. I mean, totally blew it, man. I mean, and, totally blew it. And Auburn then proceeds in the last, like, five minutes, uh, proceeds to go – if I'm reading this – actually, no, I'm not reading this correctly. Um but Auburn proceeds to go 90, was it 92 yards to, <laughs> to score the game winner? Like, yeah, that's pretty bad, man. That's pretty bad in Death Valley. And uh, Edo got boos. He got boos. They're, they're I mean, done. I'd be booing him too, man. I mean, hell, if I yeah. was Edo, I'd be booing myself so I can get fired and collect that $20 million buyout and be done <laughs> with this shit. Yeah, uh, we don't have to go over this one too much. I just, I just wanted to make fun of Edo. That was, that was pretty embarrassing. He's now eight it's, and seven since winning the national title. Not good, and I mean, they don't really show any signs of getting any better. It's the worst part, fellas. That's know. the thing. That's the thing is, this was a show me season for Coach O. He brings in the new staff, and it's just not, it's just not come to fruition. And Max Johnson isn't a good quarterback, but you got to be able to have. You got like he's either t- they should be able to recruit at a level where they can they have can't a, run the ball. That's what I was about to say. They should be able to recruit at a level where they can have a, a serviceable, a good running back and an offensive line that can move uh, their opponents around. And they don't have that. If I could uh, give you a laugh real quick, sure. They do have a five star running back on the roster, but they didn't teach him how to register for the correct classes or some crazy shit. And he, so he didn't go to class. And so now he's not academically eligible. Oh my God. John Emery is, has been declared ineligible for the whole season. And so, I mean, what a disaster. I mean, Somebody, the whole program, it's like at every level is just kind of falling apart. Some, some grad assistant got, got let go because of that one. That's, Somebody, somebody dropped a big old ball there. Uh, we could also uh, quickly make fun of another man who literally cannot be fired. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is officially collecting paychecks. I mean, they literally doubled down and it was like, who's trying to hire this guy? Well, the theory, I think, the theory I the was LSU. I get that. I get that. But also... They're not going to pay him more than nine million dollars after you know firing Ed Orgeron. Also, um, for, for twenty million dollars, like they don't have that kind of money. And A and M doubled down, and it's like, guys, like, can you breathe? 
I mean, like, you know, God, you, calm down. Calm I, you down. Know, and offensively, it's like nobody is signing up for Jimbo's services right now based on how he's performing with all the, you know, high-level recruits he has. Like, he's straight up not performing, and they're kind of stuck with him, which, I mean, whatever, you know. I mean, we'll see how that works, but, um, I mean, they just – I mean, laid a total egg against State, man. To uh, look, I mean, you got obviously Zach Calzada is not the guy you wanted to go into the season with. Air. Like, I-, I imagine he looks confused against Air, man. Like, he looks like he is taking a calculus test and he's in algebra. Like, he just looks like he doesn't get it. You know, like it's, it's, not... it's, it's in his head. I f- kind of feel bad for the guy, honestly. Yeah, he was he was going into college kind of Blue Mountain State style where he was like, best job in sports, backup quarterback. I'm on the football team. I'm a quarterback. Like, I agree. Like, I'm on the same page, but, geez. I mean, <laughs> and then but nobody told him he, he was backup quarterback at Texas A&M. And also, uh, once you get thrown into the fire as a backup quarterback at Texas A&M, you're thrown into the fire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he looks terrible. And but even still, man, with Jimbo, Jimbo's he's got he, he can lean on that, I guess. But he's got like so much talent. He's got Isaiah Spiller, Devin Ashane. Uh, he's got Jalen Weidermeyer. They threw for a hundred and thirty-five yards against Mississippi State. Like yeah. I no sir. Like they had, they had less than a hundred. They had less than three hundred yards of offense. I mean. And they were terrible on third down. Like, they ran 52 total plays against Mississippi State. 52. Like, they didn't sustain anything. It's pretty bad. Uh, and, I mean, uh, I guess we can kind of – we don't we don't have – I didn't watch much of this game. But we can kind of look at this and Texas A&M's kind of rap sheet to date. And, I guess, quickly just go over what – you're going to the game next weekend. How yeah. do you do you? I'm, I'm assuming you're feeling pretty good about your college station experience that's coming up. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I just offensively, it's just perplexing what they got going on, right? Like they have really good players everywhere. Pretty much they've had some O line issues and they have an issue at quarterback, but they have good skill players. And I, I, I just, I have never seen, well, I guess I, I don't want to say I've never seen, but they just look totally inept on offense and, you know, the spread is 18. I just genuinely don't see how they're going to consistently move the ball. If they can't move the ball on, you know, Mississippi State consistently, if they can't move the ball on Colorado consistently, how are they going to do it against Alabama? I, I just don't – I don't know how they're going to do it, to be quite honest. The the fact that the spread is 18 in one – of the most hostile environments in college football, which will be loud. They will be, the crowd will be up for this game because, as I understand it, Texas A&M fans are not fond of Alabama. They've never beaten us since coming to the SEC. Um, yeah, and they, they really, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whoa, 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 they have. They, I was there, I, I didn't, excuse me. You um, blacked it out, folks. I blacked out. I actually blacked out when Johnny Manziel threw that pass off that dude's helmet and then caught it and ran, um, or whatever the hell happened. I blacked out. I don't remember. But uh, they they they've beaten us once, uh, and they they 
they're Texas people. They want to be the best. That's part of their identity. They're they're Texas. It is. It's who we are. Even though I mean, guys, you're you're not in Austin. You're College Station. Come on. Uh, but yeah, the fact that it's 18 at Texas A&M is just a testament to how bad they've looked on offense. And last year's team, who they I have thought defense. Exactly. That's a that's the biggest problem is they they have no defense on top of that. But I think well, last year's they offense... Do, but they can't... They're just leaving them on the field. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're they're saying. Just, they're not giving them any damn help. <laughs> right. And I, I, honestly, and I know a lot of people really rated um, Texas A&M's offense last year. I didn't rate it that highly, especially when they came into Tuscaloosa. Maybe they kind of gained steam and what they were different by the end of the season. I don't know. But I didn't really rate them. And they had a good quarterback. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was good. Um, but now they have no court. Like, I mean, they have a dude that looks like a walk on at times. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited for you. I was kind of, I mean, I know we both were preseason talking about this game kind of worried, but, uh, after the, our defensive showing in this past game, uh, knowing that we now have experience in a hostile atmosphere, hopefully, we will learn from that because I don't know if you've rewatched the game yet uh, on the CBS broadcast. Uh, they were saying that I don't remember if they're talking about the only, I think they're talking about the Florida game. They're saying the coaches had said that the environment played a factor into how uh, Alabama played. They did. They did. Yeah. No, they and did. so um, I think, I think hopefully we learn from that. And also the fact that Bryce, in my opinion, responded to that environment. Well, I feel pretty confident in the fact that our defense will, or our offense will be able to move the ball pretty consistently. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, again, I they just I mean, if you can lose to Mississippi State, like that's just, that's a terrible loss. I mean, like I'm sorry, I'm not even trying to like, you know, further shit on them. I just I I really their path to victory again is just it's tough. And and I just I really don't see it happening, and the fans can't play defense for them, and they definitely should at this point maybe hold tryouts. But I mean the quarterback situation's awful, and I, I don't see it. Yeah, it's pretty. They're looking like they could finish last in the SEC West after coming to this season as contenders to compete for the SEC West. Uh, very real possibility to finish last. It's a total disaster, but I will be excited to see the atmosphere, and I will actually have a review next week. Um, I'll compare it to like some of the other places that I've been, and like you know, me and Avery will talk about it and, and just kind of compare it to, to other places. So I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be a cool experience. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm excited for you. I'm I'm jealous, uh, but it's all right. It's okay. Um, I'll, I'll hopefully uh, be making it up for at least one game. But let's go ahead and cycle from uh, looking ahead at our game. Let's look ahead to the week ahead uh, in this week's Battle for the Bottle. This is the Battle for the Bottle. So this week, or let's say last week, I should say, uh taylor i gained a game we'll go over it quickly uh the big the big pick that kind of flipped me 
to four and three. And also Gret well, Gretchen had another pick that was separate. Um, but we both went four and three. I took Alabama to cover. You did not have faith. You should have held the faith. And for that, you were punished. Yeah. Um, no, I was I was told actually after last week's episode that I, it was an Ole Miss love fest. Yeah, we and did re- so, we did receive complaints. So I and I appreciate you coming directly to us uh, with the complaints. <laughs> I love the criticism. Haters are my motivators. But that was a bad pick, and and really the worst pick of the weekend was Maryland Iowa. We all did, got that one wrong in your defense. I did not foresee Maryland giving up seven turnovers. Oh my god! Like six interceptions, man. Eesh. I mean, not even a shot. That was uh, rough. Uh, props to Gretchen for picking her alma mater in Georgia to cover. That was a whiff uh, on my part. And uh, and anyways, uh, so I went four and three. I am now at twenty and eleven. You are at eighteen and thirteen. I'm a couple point games. cushion or two run cushion. I should, and I cushion. will say, I was a little mad at LSU because five and two was within grasp, and I felt if like five and two sounds really good. I was really happy with that. I'm still four and three's winning, but five and two was money, and LSU just choked it away. They so, oof, disgusting. So uh, thanks, Coach O. Um, but this week's slate of games is actually really good as well, just as good as last week's. I'd argue. Um, we start with one of my favorite games from last year. I actually had action on this game last year. I took Texas and it was one of the most, it's some of the most fun I've ever had watching a football game. Um, it's the river river rivalry, uh, Oklahoma minus three versus number 21, Texas in Dallas, um, in the cotton bowl, Taylor, uh, or not, is it, it's not, it is still in the cotton bowl, right? Yeah, yeah, it's in the cotton bowl. It's not in, it's not in Jacksonville. It is not. not. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my geography. I was all mixed up thinking Oklahoma and Texas might play in Jacks Vegas. Um, all right. Who, who, who do you got in the Red River rivalry? I mean, Oklahoma, I feel like, has been playing with fire recently. Um, I, you know, part of me wants to take Oklahoma here. Um, but I have a gut feeling, you know, Bijan Robinson has been going off the past couple weeks. I mean, he, you know, in my opinion, maybe has vaulted himself into the Heisman conversation. I mean, I think at this point there's not a clear cut favorite. I mean, I guess Bryce, but you know, I think Bijan's got a shot and and I think he's got a Heisman moment maybe in this game where they can control the tempo of the game with Bijan, I think Texas could actually win this game. I'm going to go with Texas. Bijan had 35 carries for 216 yards and two touchdowns last week against TCU. It was scrappy as all hell, um, that game specifically, not his performance. His performance was excellent. I agree that he is definitely in the Heisman conversation because he's had a good season and he's legit. Oklahoma, on the other hand, go into the Little Apple, a team play against Kansas State, a team they've lost to two years in a row, and come out, exercise their demons in a very close game, mind you. The backdoor cover, Kansas State plus 11, late touchdown to cover. Um, but I don't, it's a tough one for me because it, this is a wacky game. And if, if it was like Oklahoma favored by seven, eight, you know, I'm probably taking Texas. But the three-point line, I think Oklahoma has enough to win it. 
and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird one, but um, I don't know. I uh, Texas last year uh, against maybe a, a less talented Oklahoma team couldn't do it. I'm gonna go Oklahoma. I may live to regret this, and I actually do like Texas, but uh, they burned me last year, and I refuse to be burned twice. It's, I don't know. You can. This is a game where you can make cases for both teams. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think it really surprised me. But I also need to pick up a game or two on you. And I think this is a spot where I could possibly get one. Yeah, I think my my attitude of uh, they burned me last year is very. Uh, it's it's not very tabula rasa, Taylor. Not very clean slate of me. And thank you that, for explaining. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, that's Latin for you fans. Um. And not very good betting business to think about last year. But here I am, nonetheless. Uh, so I'm going to go Oklahoma. Uh, next game we got is number two Georgia minus 14 and a half at the moment of recording at number 18 Auburn in, in the barn, Taylor. I, look, I know that you know they're at Auburn, but I really like Georgia here, mostly because Auburn's offense, nothing that they do really scares me against Georgia's defense. Like They don't have a guy that can stretch the field. They don't have a great quarterback. They do have a great running back, but they also don't really have a really good offensive line. And blocking Jordan Davis, you better have a damn good offensive line, and they don't. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think Georgia wins this pretty easily, whether Stetson Bennett play, plays or, or, or JT Daniels plays. I will, I will say now, JT Daniels was held out of throwing drills as of today, Monday. So That's also, I, I want to say, that's also very um, common with that kind of injury that he has. It's kind of the same injury that Dak had. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing with Dak. It's pretty much the only way that you can heal that injury is to not throw. So... Mm-hmm. But, but, again, not super encouraging, but also that's the best way to heal that injury. JT Daniels is a glass cannon, uh, I think is what they call him. Um, <laughs> that's what they call him. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one for me because it's, it's at Auburn, right, which uh, instantly gives me pause. Um, yeah. Bo Nix has – and it's in a game where the fans will give a shit. They, you know, they're not out for Georgia State. They're out, I don't know, getting lemonade or something. Um, yeah, they're getting lemonade at Timber's Drugs. Yeah. And I think it's it, it's one of those where if I look at Auburn's performance against the only other team on their schedule that's anywhere comparable, obviously I don't think they're on the same tier, but Penn State, Auburn did really well away from home in a big spot uh, and nearly won that game. Um, and their defense played really well. And I think – in my opinion, while Georgia does have more weapons on offense, they kind of run that. I mean, it's still that same old Kirby smart offense. They haven't changed anything. It's not an explosive offense. They threw the ball like seven times against Arkansas. You know? 11, but point taken. Yeah, 11. Okay. Well, I think he completed seven of the 11. Essentially damn air raid is, is what you're so, telling me. Yeah, they're running the air raid, and I don't believe in it. I I hate doing this, but the hook at home, the hook, the half point, I'm gonna go ahead and take Auburn, dude. I'm gonna I'm do not, it. I'm not mad at it. I'm not. I'm mad, mad at, at taking Auburn and Bo Nix, but that that hook is like, pfft. well, that looks that looks tasty. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, dude, that's 
Sometimes, sometimes you live by the hook. Sometimes you die by the hook. In the great words of Lane Kiffin. But it's, it's important to get like this is a betting lesson. Not that like I should be giving out pro betting tips, <laughs> but it's important. It's important to look at if you're going to gamble on these games. Like find a line that you feel comfortable with, because they do actually move a lot between Monday and Thursday. So yep. it's important to like wait it out, whichever side you're going to be on. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this line gets bet up a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't either. Because, we'll, I mean, we'll they're, they're, they're getting the knee-jerk reaction that I am like, shit, only 15, they just curb-stomped Arkansas. Yeah, and they were favored, again, at home, but favored by, uh, what, 18? Yeah. Right, right. Um, so maybe maybe uh, some room for movement there. Um, and I think it's already gone up a half a point since, since it went up yesterday. Um, to fourteen right. and a half. So, yeah, I'll I'll stick with I'll I'll live by the hook, die by the hook. Um, next game we have uh the Wampin Sam Pittman's number thirteen Arkansas plus six and a half at the Grove at Ole Miss. Uh, Road Dogs after a beating. Um, a tough game to pick, Taylor. What do you think? Ah. <sighs> It, I mean, it is really tough, mostly because you're you're seeing these guys play. Both teams are play, played the best team they played all year, and they both got just kind of curb stomped and exposed. Um, I you know, part of I, I think I want to take Ole Miss here. You know, um, I, I don't. It's super hard because I like a lot of what Arkansas brings to the table. Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Ole Miss offensively, I think they can rebound here. They played badly last year at Arkansas, got beat. Um, Matt Corral had a terrible game. I think they lock in, and I think this is one that they really want back, and, and I'll take Ole Miss at home here. It's a t- the, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily that environment at um... – I don't miss that you saw last year against Alabama. I mean, the fans will be out, though I'm sure it will be loud, but it's it's a little different. It hits a little different at 11 a.m., um, especially at a school like Ole Miss, known for it, – it's as same with Alabama, you know. People would rather be on the quad at 11, drinking until 2.30, than yeah. walking into the stadium at 10.30, you know. Right. Um, so it, it definitely has, an, a, in my opinion, a pretty significant effect on the atmosphere. Um I really like what Arkansas brings to the table in terms of this matchup. I think they bring a lot to the table of what Alabama brought in this past week's game in terms of a solid defense, a run game that can control the game when it is up and running. And I think this game, again, and this, I'm, we're, I think I'm, I'm going to take Arkansas, and this could be disastrous for me. This could be a three-game swing your way. But I think I'm the same thing. I'm thinking the same thing with you, man. I like I'm <laughs> playing chess here, and I'm I'm also kind of struggling. It's crazy. It's just my my thought process is: where did Ole Miss lose the game against Alabama in the trenches? Where has Arkansas dominated in the games they've won in the trenches? Um, I do think that uh, Ole Miss's offense can produce problems, uh, but the six and a half point dog for a team that I think is better in most places other than quarterback and, and maybe running back. Um, 
Yeah, I I quite like Arkansas here being an underdog, getting points. Um, it's a weird one though. It's another weird one. All these games are weird ones, and that's why we're going opposite ways. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. This is going to be a fun week for us. I think. Um, yeah, I mean it'll it'll be big. So next game we got on the slate is number nine Michigan minus three and a half at Nebraska. Nebraska, a home dog after destroying Northwest uh, Northwestern. I can't even say that with a straight face. Um, well, so Michigan, I'm going to take Michigan here, and the reason being, I I really don't think that Nebraska is as good as they held. Um, Oklahoma, I just don't. And Michigan is one of three teams in college football this year to not trail a second in a football game yet. Um, which, say what you want, I mean, they have literally not trailed at all. And uh, I think that's really impressive given how this year's gone. I'll give some props where they're due. And, uh, you know, three and a half against a team that is not good at all that lost to Illinois and looked bad doing it. Um, give me Michigan. Yeah, I, uh, Nebraska has looked a little more threatening, uh, since that loss to Illinois. Like you said, they hung with, uh, Oklahoma. They hung with Michigan State, who was also undefeated and just lost in overtime. And then they destroyed Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern is all that good. I'll state that right here, right now. Um, I do think Nebraska's crowd is going to come in and be loud. Uh, as I don't, I don't know what that environment is like. I don't, you know, may, I don't know, but I think they are going to uh, get out there and, and uh, kind, of, kind of try to make a difference. And I think that Michigan's game plan is, uh, and what they've successfully done throughout the season is run the ball very well. They're going to deflate the game, take the air out of the stadium. Um, and, yeah, they're a better team. I got Michigan as well. Um, feels, this, one feels, this one feels pretty pretty easy, which uh, probably means we'll both lose. Um, so. It's it. Uh, all right, so next game we got is uh, a, a bizarre one, really. Uh, we have unranked LSU plus three. At number 16, Kentucky, LSU going into Lexington as an underdog for, I, I, I'd love to know the last time that happened because it has to have been a long, long time. Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to bring up that LSU historically doesn't actually play that well um, in Lexington. Like, you know, they have the bluegrass miracle, but um, – that's a good I mean, one. They they don't actually play well in Kentucky historically, and so I I'm gonna take Kentucky here. I mean they're they're five and zero. Oh, the the environment's gonna be raucous. Like LSU's coming off a really tough loss, you know, against Auburn at home. Their backs are against the wall, and Ed Orgeron at this point, I just I really don't believe in him. If I'm being quite honest, uh, Ken Kerr. Ed Horgeron is a is a he's on skates. Sam Walken. They got him rocking. He's come out and taken responsibility. It's a six thirty kickoff from I I think I and I I heard this on like a a podcast like a stream. I don't know if it's one hundred percent true, but so I was listening to somebody talk about how in Lexington the sun goes down at like three, 
somehow yeah. and during the football season. So, like, after three is a night game, it's 630. Uh, that place is going to be electric, dude. Like, they are going yeah. to be rocking. I also it's quick a way bigger deal. It's a way bigger deal to Kentucky than it is to LSU in the sense yeah. that, like, if they win, it'll be just insane. Yeah, absolutely. Also, quick shout out to Kentucky. Uh, every time they win anything, they burn couches, and I just I love that. I adore. the West Virginia model, and we appreciate it. <laughs> um. So yeah, shout out, shout out to Kentucky, um, for that. And yeah, I got Kentucky as well. Uh, this is gonna be an ugly, ugly game, and three points may be enough for LSU to cover. Um, but. Yeah, LSU is – I think Florida is just – I think that was a better matchup uh, against Kentucky, LSU. And they could they could have one of those games where the, the players uh, – oops. The players, you know, come out fighting for Coach O. I, who knows? But I don't know. On current trends, I'm going Kentucky. Absolutely. Uh, so next game, we got the, uh, the only battle of undefeated this week. We have number four Penn State plus one and a half at number three Iowa uh, in Iowa City, uh, a place I famously, this is obviously very famous, we're a very famous podcast, said, uh, fuck Iowa City. So, uh, Taylor, what do you think about this matchup in Iowa City? I think it's tough because I definitely have been an Iowa hater. Um this year, I picked them multiple times to either not cover or outright lose, and I'm going to do it again, you know? like <laughs> Hell yeah. I, like, I don't believe that Iowa is a top-10 team. Offensively, they're not great. Like, yes, they scored 51 this past weekend, but it was mostly because Maryland turned the ball over an ungodly seven times. That's like. It's not exactly like Iowa's offense just turned into a beast. And this is going to be the type of game where, I mean, I I think it's definitely possible that they lose. They don't have the athletes that Penn State does. Um, I I think Penn State is a better team. And, I, I, you know, I think Iowa struggles at home, and I think Penn State gets it done. Yeah, it's an an interesting one. It's basically a pick them at one and a half, right? Um, Yeah. It's a yeah, and I think you're kind of on on point with that. Um, Penn State, who doesn't quite have, and I mean, I think you'll you'll knock me for this. Uh, the resume, in my opinion, that Iowa does. Um, yeah, but God, I really, I really do like James Franklin. Uh, I think he's he's probably a better coach. This is a talented Iowa team, but it's it's an Iowa team where. Their center is their best player. And their center is like a top 10 pick. Like, he's an amazing player. That's fun, but he can't catch passes and shit. It's literally illegal, so I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about their center. I really don't. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I'm going to go Penn <laughs> State. Uh, I really like them. And uh, Iowa hasn't quite played an offense with the explosive weapons. Uh, explosive weapon. I I like Dotson to make a couple plays in this game. Yeah, Jahan Dotson is legit. um, And I think he could be the thing that uh, breaks the roof off this Iowa defense, which hasn't, uh, you know, they're they're a solid defense. But um, so is Penn State. Literally, Penn State's allowed 12 points per game. Iowa's allowed 11.6. It is 
It is tight. I'm going to go Penn State as well, just giving them the edge out on their on the offense. And I think their offense is, is a better than Iowa's offense because uh, Sam Petras can't move. It's incredible. <sighs> They're better than um, Iowa's offense because everyone's better than Iowa's offense. True. Uh, so last game we're going to pick here, uh, and we'll, we can go over it a bit quickly because we've kind of already discussed it. It is the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Against uh, minus 18 at an unranked Texas A&M reeling off of two straight losses, Taylor. What, what do you think? I, I think Alabama's coming off their best game of the year. I think they want to prove that they can perform in a hostile environment, which it's inevitably going to be. And I still don't think that Texas A&M's going to be able to move the ball offensively. I think... You know, Federian Mathis and Will Anderson are going to have fantastic games. Like, maybe Alabama forces a couple turnovers. And I said when this line came out, if it's not in the 20s, I would hammer it. And it's not in the 20s, and I'm hammering it. Minus 18, sign me up. Yeah, uh, lock it in, dude. Uh, I, I, I don't remember who it was. Somebody, I was listening to another podcast, the thing is the Yahoo Sports podcast. They were all they're all making fun of themselves because they always say don't bet against Bama and then in their pick 'em they were like all taking Ole Miss and uh, they were like I don't know what we were doing I don't know why we ever do this um, and in this game I think the defense is going to feast they're on a roll now Texas A and M is a lame duck offense they got nothing I mean they have weapons but they have no way to distribute those weapons and they've looked inefficient and in just trying to get them involved at all they're they're like you said inept and the offense uh yeah i think we can take the air out of this game pretty quickly um and kind of run it up a bit like we did last year in that game and uh that ruined essentially texas a&m season uh the only blemish on quite a good season for texas a&m i think this will be instead a nail in texas a&m season uh the final one in the coffin for this season. Obviously, Jimbo's not getting fired, but I think this is uh, this season's kind of a wash for them, and they're going to be playing catch up, moral victories, and just trying to build for next season after this game because I think it's going to be a beatdown. So, give me Bama giving the points. Thank you very much. Um, and that is our picks for the week we have separated on three separate on three of the seven games so uh could it could it go crazy one way or the other yeah could could be big could be big uh, i probably what will happen is we'll split them two one somehow um but yeah we'll see it'll be an exciting week and uh potentially uh one where i could break open a huge lead so looking forward to it um but anyways, uh, Taylor, do you have anything else? No, that's all I got, man. A uh, quick shout out to Dabo and Clemson for being unranked. <laughs> um, quick shout out to Lane or Lane. Uh, it's it, very much Lane behavior. Urban Meyer posted up in the club. Uh, we hope that y'all have a better week than Urban Meyer. It's not. It can't be that hard. Like, don't ruin your marriages. Don't, uh, you know, nationally embarrass yourselves. I mean, the the ceiling is, uh, or the, I guess the the uh, bar is the floor. The bar is in in, in very much like Ole Miss's defense. The bar to beat is on the floor. Um, so just step over that bar, boys uh, and girls. 
Uh, and also uh, make sure to, uh, to I, I was gonna I, I was gonna say something else about Urban, but I'm not. Um, so, anyways, uh, if you have nothing else, Taylor, I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, thank you all for listening so much. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as leave a review. We appreciate all of the five star reviews specifically, and leave a comment. And if you leave, you know, leave a comment with your your uh, your review. Maybe uh, leave us a question or anything. We'll read it out on the podcast. Give you a shout out. We really appreciate those. Uh, also, you make could sure- also insult us on the five star review if you feel necessary. Yeah. You can Quite you can frankly. insult us on the five star review, but give us a five star review. Yeah, quite frankly, if you want to give us a five-star review and tell us what's wrong with the podcast, um, we take criticism in all forms. So, uh, yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, I love that. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NotSoExpert. Uh, Taylor has been um, tweeting more than he's been texting me during games. So, uh, I mean, that's fine. That's totally fine of him. Um, but then say to this guy. He's been he's been he's been active on the Twitter tweeting at our fans. So make sure to get involved over there, tweet at us. Um and uh we really appreciate that. Uh and also, yeah, make sure to uh like I said, subscribe. And that's all I got. Taylor, you got anything else? I'm good. All right, well, thank you all for listening and t- and until next time, roll tide. Down a backwoods Tennessee byway, one arm on the wheel, holding my lover with the other, a sweet, soft southern thrill. Worked hard all week, got a little jingle on a Tennessee Saturday night. Couldn't feel better, I'm together with my Dixieland delight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler needs a mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turn it up and on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life. Oh, so right.